Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Corv Americans. This is Marco. It's Sunday night, August 6th, after a crazy week in Italian and world football. Tonight, Corv Americans get to enjoy a special interview with Stefano Bernardini, a Serie A superfan and entrepreneur. Stefano is a coordinator of Calcio Finanza and Calcio Mercado.it, English versions, and editor of Aeseroma 360. He also reports on NYCFC, New York Red Bulls, New York Cosmos, and the MLS. We reached out to Stefano to get his insights on the mysterious and headline generating transfer market. Because of his unique background, we want to try to dive into some of the financial inner workings that are driving today's big money football environment. Stefano, thanks again for doing this interview and for spending your Sunday evening on Skype while the rest of the country is sitting at home, cozy, watching episode four of Game of Thrones. I'm obviously a huge fan. Hi guys, thank you. Thank you for calling me. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. We got to spend some time together in Boston last week for Roma and Juventus at the ICC Cup, and we touched upon our personal experience in last week's podcast. Uh, give us your take on how the weekend went. I mean that uh, that weekend like was uh, was amazing with all of you guys. Like we spent uh, a great time like uh, together with the team that we that we love. And, uh, you know, Roma is our passion, but uh, in general, soccer is our passion. And we spent a great time like in uh, Boston and in Cambridge uh, at the Charles Hotel where uh, Roma was staying. We met a lot of players, uh, a lot of colleagues like journalists uh, from Italy. And so I think we had a, we had a great time. And then, uh, then uh, you know, like I was following the team like for for almost uh, six days so. Uh, like from the beginning, uh, at the beginning, like uh, the match against uh, Tottenham at the Red Bull Arena, and then when we went back to Boston, uh, was amazing. Like um, uh, at the Comerica Park, like the match against uh, Juventus, it was uh, another nice moment. Uh, you know, like we spent a great moment, and uh, and I was really, really happy to meet you guys too. Yeah, it was truly an amazing experience. You know, we're still talking to this day how easy it was to access the team and the players. Uh, I still remember the first day we got there, we were just waiting outside of the Harvard training grounds, uh, just lined up outside the door of, this, of the gym, and uh, got to shake every single player's hand, and when uh, Dirossi and Strootman came up, we were weak at the knees, to say the least. Yeah, you're right. So in in Rome, like the situation is completely different. I would say... The situation is different uh, in uh, in Europe in general. So uh, U- United States is a more open environment, uh, 360 degrees. Uh, and obviously, when these teams are coming, like in United States, is because uh, they want to expand their brand. Uh, and obviously, they have to be uh, ready to get in touch with people, with fans, uh, for uh, an autograph or a picture, or even just uh, like to talk with you for a, for a bit. Like, uh, and you can ask some questions. It's really nice. It's a really nice environment. Yeah, and I'm kicking myself for not following Roma around the U.S. tours the last couple of years that they came. Uh, I would have definitely run into Totti, and it would have fulfilled the lifelong dream. Um, but that's neither here or there. So let's stick with world football. 
Everyone's been talking about the Neymar deal to PSG. Uh, just a ridiculous amount of money was spent. Everybody's just trying to figure out how that deal went down. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, fair, financial fair play throughout this interview and specifically how it ties into Serie A's transfer window. So, Stefano, what exactly is financial fair play? Because I don't care how long you've been following this game, most people are still scratching their heads. So, financial fair play was a, a regulation that UEFA implemented uh, and approved in 2010, and, uh, but they kicked kick off like in 2011. So, actually, the first moment when the financial fair play, fair play was uh, actually uh, involved like in, in the clubs, in the financial staff of the club was in 2011. And actually, uh, this is a, a kind of rule like that, uh, um, that is a kind of uh, break-even requirements. Uh, so it requires uh, for the club, like they have to, they have to manage uh, their spending properly. And uh, how do they do this? Like, so actually, this rule is saying that every club can spend only what they, like what they earn, like they, on the basis of their revenue. The revenue are coming from like a different kind of, uh, uh, there are different kind of revenue, like the, the TV rights, uh, the uh, stadium, uh, the merchandising. So on the basis, and the sponsor, obviously. So on the basis of this kind of revenue, every club has uh, an amount to spend cannot, uh, that cannot exceed those revenue. And so I can understand that most of the people are trying to understand how is it possible that a team like uh, Paris Saint-Germain Saint is buying Neymar or, uh, uh, I don't know, AC Milan is doing what he's doing like in this uh, transfer market window. It's, uh, it's weird, like, uh, but there are uh, reasons why like, they can do this. So if you want to talk a bit about Neymar's deal, which is the, like, the actual, uh, actually it went through like, uh, just a couple, of, a couple of days ago, uh, so Neymar was uh, acquired like for 222 million, so which was actually the, his uh, buyout close. The Barcelona probably said that kind of buyout close because because they thought that no one could have could have ever paid it. But actually, there is something that. Uh, that I was talking with other journalists like a few days ago, and they were saying uh, probably there is a reason why Paris Saint-Germain like uh, paid that, that close. And uh, it's because, uh, like if you guys remember at the beginning of the transfer market, uh, uh, there were a lot of rumors about uh, Verratti, the Italian midfielder that is in uh, Paris Saint-Germain, and actually Barcelona was chasing him. And uh, someone very close to the, to the team, like he's saying, that probably the Sheikh um, Al Khalifi he said, uh, "Okay, you know, you wanna, uh, you wanna, get, you wanna buy Verratti from me, and so uh, first of all, I'm not giving it to you, and second, I'm gonna pay Neymar's buyout close because uh, you know, like I want it. I want, I want that guy that is the Brazilian star that is definitely comparable to Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo in this moment. So that's what he did. He paid 222 million. But the situation, uh, if we analyze the financial statements uh, of Paris Saint Germain, it's even, it's even uh, incredible to understand that this is gonna affect uh, in the next uh, five years. Uh, it's gonna affect uh, like the uh, Paris Saint Germain financial statement for something like 100 million each year. And I'm gonna tell you why. So because 
Neymar, Neymar net salary is going to be 35 million euros, which is like, uh, obviously, you, all of you know that like the salary for a team, the team is paid a cross salary, which is 62 million per year just to have Neymar in your roster. It's a, it's, it's a huge amount of money. And uh, plus, you already paid 222 million. So there were rumors around this deal. They were saying, okay, that maybe the Sheikh wasn't going to pay this money, like, but it was actually uh, a sponsor behind him that was actually providing like this amount uh, but in reality uh, in a recent interview the sheikh said uh, uh, no like the neymar has been paid by uh, paris saint germain we wanted to do this uh, like they firmly believe that neymar can be okay like a great uh, champion like uh, on the field but even off the field too because they can sell a lot of uh, merchandising and uh, and i think uh, uh, so they believe that Neymar is going to repay itself uh, with everything uh, like he's doing between uh, like uh, advertising and merchandising and everything else that can uh, that can happen uh, from this deal. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this deal pans out. All eyes in the world are on Neymar and PSG right now. Also to see if there's somebody that can finally dethrone Messi and Ronaldo. They've been running the game now for seems like an eternity. But we are Serie A fans. And we do want to know if this big transfer will have a domino effect on our league. Uh, lots of rumors that Dybala would love to play with Messi. So what is the likelihood of Dybala leaving Juventus this summer because of the Neymar deal? I tell you the truth, Marco. Like I was, uh, I was talking. Uh, um, so as as you said before, like I was, uh, um, I was involved in the international Champions Cup like this summer, and uh, I went to the stadium like in the press box for uh, Juventus Barce Barcelona as well, and uh, at the MetLife Stadium. And actually, the, over there, I was talking with uh, with uh, a guy that is working for uh, uh, us, one of the major uh, like uh, sports newspaper, like in uh, Madrid. And um, and actually, we were talking about uh, about Neymar, and uh, and he was saying, okay, we are pretty sure that Neymar is gonna is gonna leave. Actually, they are think they were thinking that Neymar actually already signed like a pre-contract with Paris Saint Germain a long time ago. And they were just waiting for the right moment, uh, like uh, to close the deal or to unveil the deal. And uh, and actually, he was saying uh, right away, Barcelona uh, is gonna is gonna make an offer for uh, for Dybala uh, because he's the right player for them. And you know, when Barcelona wants something, uh, they are gonna get something. You know. And so that's now where we are. So actually, like there are rumors that there are, that Barcelona offered uh, already uh, something like 120 million for uh, for Dybala, and uh, you know he is a great player. We know that. Like he's a he's a still young and he's already a, a, a superstar, and he could fit uh, perfectly like in Barcelona's uh, tactical scheme. And uh, actually, uh, I think uh, that uh, that there are two players like in uh, uh, in Barcelona's mind at this time. One is Dybala, the other one is uh, Dembélé, like the player from um, uh, that is playing with Borussia Dortmund. Uh, there are rumors. Uh, even today, we were writing about uh, uh, an offer of uh, under a million for. Uh, 
for uh, Dembélé, but actually the Borussia Dortmund sporting director uh, um, gently refused the offer and said that uh, like uh, eventually they want more uh, more money than that. And so I don't know. I think one of those two players is going to be the next uh, Barcelona player. So Dybala or uh, um, Dembele de, from Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund. Yeah, well, that will definitely make things interesting for Juventus at the end of this transfer market. Uh, but speaking of which, you know, after being in the Champions League final two times in the last three seasons, uh, winning just about everything in Italy for the last six, you know, I, I've been curious, what is Juventus's true financial situation? They brought in players like Douglas Costa, Bernadeschi, and De Chiglio, uh, but they haven't been necessarily spending tons of money like a team like Milan, for example. So what's their situation? So uh, US financial situation is pretty is pretty good actually. So if you think Marco that um, Juventus uh, uh, last year the uh, Juventus uh, uh, bought uh, like Iguain from Napoli. They spent uh, like 90 million if I remember well. And uh, okay, so this year they are not doing like this crazy spending, but if you think uh, like uh, they just purchased uh, um, Bernardeschi for uh, 40 uh, Douglas Costa for 40, even if uh, actually right now they are not paying. So it's, ac it's actually this kind of deal so that you get the player uh, um, uh, for a, a kind of a, on loan and then you pay in the next few years. Uh, but it's still another 40, 40 million dollars deal, uh, 40 million euros deal. And then um, they even uh, um, signed. Uh, uh, Chesney, uh, the former S Roma uh, goalkeeper. Uh, so it then uh, all of us uh, have to focus uh, on something that, uh, that 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 is very important in the transfer market, and, and I'm talking about wages. So I mean, uh, the salary of the player is very important in a in a financial statement. Like uh, so, it's not only what you pay for a player; it's even how much money you give them on a on a yearly basis. So we know that before, uh, I was telling you that Neymar is, is getting 37, 35 million, million euros, but the, the club is paying 62 million gross per year. So this is very important because when you buy, in Juventus case, when you buy Douglas Costa, when you buy um, uh, Bernardeschi, Chesney, their salaries are huge. So you have to manage uh, like your finances only uh, also thinking about this. So um, obviously, if Barcelona is gonna is gonna finalize the deal for Dybala, uh, Juventus is gonna bank other maybe other under than thirty as well. So rumors are saying that uh, Allegri needs a, a, a new center back, as we know Bonucci left, and uh, and probably uh, Allegri is asking for another uh, midfielder, uh, quality midfielder too. So this money part of this money will be reinvested but in general Juventus financial uh, financial statement is pretty good like uh, they earned a lot of money with the with the pa in the past like uh, here for uh, the Champions League and as we know they got to the final match and they lost against uh, Real Madrid but actually if I remember well, like they earned more uh, more than 118 million from the Champions League which is a lot. And, uh, but you know, a team like Juventus has uh, uh, a lot to spend, uh, like for staff and management, especially the staff uh, is, uh, um, is um, 
is more like and everything everything you have to do like sponsor sponsorship and everything like there, there are a lot of expenses included but Juventus is in a pretty good shape they always seem to be well, speaking of big spending everyone's been talking about Milan splurging this summer uh, just around 200 million shelled out so far and still looking for a big striker now questions have been raised about Milan's cash flow by some owners around the league so where is this money coming from and how are they going to be able to meet financial fair play regulations? Because remember, they're not even in Champions League this year. Yeah, so actually because they are not in Champions League, uh, that's, uh, th this is the reason why they can do what they are doing. So at the beginning of the summer, uh, they, um, they got in touch with uh, UEFA. Milan's management got in touch with UEFA and uh, actually what they did is that they postponed uh, the uh, UEFA uh, kind of assessment on their financial statement. So that's something that you can do only if you change ownership in the current year. As we know, um, Yong Gong Lee um, recently purchased uh, like the majority stake of, uh, of AC Milan, and uh, that's why he was able to do this. So now there are uh, there is a, a the famous uh, Milan duo is the uh, Mirabelli Fassone that they are doing all this crazy uh, spending on the transfer market. They can do that because actually they don't have any restriction on the financial on uh, from UEFA right now. So they will have restrictions soon. So um, from next January, so they, they, they will be under UEFA supervision and probably they could even be penalized. But according to them, like they don't care because they think uh, that they can earn uh, a lot of money. So we come back to the, to the topic of revenues that are coming from like a different kind of uh, TV rights or sponsors or uh, merchandising. They think um, their plan is to uh, cash around 280 million uh, euros like from, uh, from the Asia market. Uh, and so, you know, so Yong Gong Li is a Chinese investor uh, and uh, he believes that China will be like a, uh, the right place for, uh, to expand like a, a Milan's brand, which is already like in China, and uh, and uh, that's uh, constantly asking uh, us like, through culture finance. How is it possible that Milan is spending this money? Uh, where are this money coming from? So this money are coming from uh, like uh, a fund, an American fund called, called uh, Elliot. Um, the team was purchased uh, like uh, thanks to this uh, f to the money of this uh, coming from this fund. And, uh, and there is a debt of 303 million uh, with, this, uh, with this fund that Yong Gong Li has to repay within 18 months. In reality, Yong Gong Li doesn't have to repay uh, the whole amount. So, uh, but just 178 million, if I remember well. So, as soon as he can uh, afford repaying this amount, Milan is fine because the actual club doesn't have debt. Because uh, uh, he did uh, the, the Chinese investor did a very uh, a very interesting move. Like uh, he covered all the debts left by Fininvest and Berlusconi uh, on Milan, and so Milan is free of debt, and now he's carrying personally carrying on the debts. Uh, like uh, and so that's what he has to do. He has to repay these 178 million, and then he can eventually 
spread uh, like the other debt uh, over over a few years uh, and uh, uh, you know there is a kind of flexibility like to give uh, money back to to Elliot the issue with Elliot the fund is that uh, he got this 303 million but uh, the interest rate is the 11 percent 11.5 if I remember I remember well so it's uh, as you can as you know it's a is a very high interest and uh, they they could have like they could be in trouble, but uh, you know Milan in a way is gambling on uh, on uh, on on a business, and uh, that's what they are doing. That's why they are spending like uh, more than two hundred million on the transfer market window. Well, speaking of gambling, would you gamble to say that they are going to definitely bring in one more big name this summer? Yes, I think like they are going to do like uh, they are going to make the last uh, effort too. Uh, you know, like uh, recently, uh, there were rumors about even about uh, uh, a return of uh, Ibrahimovic. The issue is that I don't think Ibrahimovic is, uh, Ibrahimovic's deal is going to happen because uh, you know Ibrahimovic is injured and he's already 36 years old. Uh, I think he will be able to play uh, eventually, not before uh, then the new year, so January, February. Uh, so I don't think uh, Ibrahimovic is the right target for them. Uh, they tried for uh, Belotti, uh, but Cairo from Turin doesn't want to uh, lower the, the uh, Belotti's price tag, so he's asking for 100 million, and Milan is not willing to pay that amount. They tried; they were trying for uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, Aubameyang. Uh, I think uh, uh, they were. Uh, uh, they made an offer for something like 60 million, but uh, actually Borussia Dortmund uh, said uh, that Aubameyang is happy uh, with them. They don't want to sell him. Uh, then uh, probably like the release clause was something like uh, 80 million and was a bit too much. Uh, I don't know. Like uh, Diego Costa could be a name, even if uh, his uh, his agent recently stated that. He wanna he wanna join uh, like Atletico Madrid uh, and not other team, um, but I still think that Diego Costa could be a name. Otherwise, uh, uh, what we know, uh, what I know, like even working for Calciomercato.it, is that uh, a deal with Kalinic, the Croatian striker uh, that is uh, playing for Fiorentina, uh, is actually is practically done. Uh, I think Milan is just uh, waiting uh, like for uh, the right moment to finalize it because they are checking around like if uh, they can close uh, uh, a better deal with someone else. Uh, but I don't know. Kalinic could be could be Kalinic or Diego Costa could be like the uh, um, the new like Milan strikers. Well, as a big Serie A fan. I'm definitely rooting for Milan to get back to the top of the good old days, uh, buying big players and uh, hopefully getting back into the conversation of big clubs in Europe. Uh, let's go to the other Serie A giant that is from Milano, uh, Internazionale. Last season they spent big in the transfer market, but really were not able to accomplish much of anything. So is fi financial fair play playing a factor? in their lack of spending this window or are there some big deals that are on the horizon? For sure, like, the financial fair play was a big factor uh, so far. Uh, Inter was almost in the same uh, uh, Roma situation, like, uh, to, like even Inter had to replenish that debt of uh, something like 
30 million uh, within uh, uh, the end of June. That's what they did. That's why they are not. They are still not uh, um, purchasing like uh, uh, incredible players so far. We still have to think that. Uh, I mean, they already bought uh, like a. Uh, um, Borca Valero from Fiorentina, Vecino, they paid uh, like the buyout close uh, for 24 million, which is in a way it's a it's a crazy buyout close like for uh, for a player that yes is a very good player. I actually really like it, uh, like him, but uh, I mean we are not talking about uh, like a, uh, a top star, you know. And um, I think, uh, uh, so actually, uh, they, today they closed another deal. Uh, I'm talking about the Brazilian fullback. Uh, um, uh, his name is uh, Dal- Dalbert. He was playing for uh, Nice. Like, he played a great season for Nice, like with Balotelli and uh, Seri, like the, the great midfielder too. I think they are going to buy other players. But definitely, like, the financial fair play was a factor for, for Inter. Uh, because they didn't have like the same situation uh, of uh, AC Milan, so they couldn't postpone uh, like the um, supervision of the UEFA supervision as uh, Milan uh, did. Like so, they were under the radar of the financial fair play, and they had to properly manage uh, the account. So it seems like maybe uh, Inter coming out of the of this uh, financial fair play restrictions might be able to jump back into the transfer market and make some moves. Uh, one move they did make was bring in Spalletti at the beginning of the transfer market from AS Roma, and he is a great coach. Uh, we're wondering here at Corp America, you know, what kind of sway does a big coach have in the transfer market, and is Spalletti going to be able to bring in some big players despite these financial fair play restrictions on Inter right now? I mean, usually, uh, usually a, a top coach uh, uh, definitely affect like the traffic, the, the the market agenda. Like, uh, you know, um, a few years ago, uh, Roberto Mancini was uh, was training uh, international Milan, and uh, and actually, he uh, everyone knows that he uh, that he is a manager of uh, top players. He wants uh, like top players. And uh, and if uh, if his club uh, is not uh, in the in the condition to buy top players, he just uh, resigns uh, go. And that's what actually what's happened. Like so, uh, definitely Spalletti went to Inter, and uh, was uh, my point of view is that uh, Spalletti's departure from Roma was a was a big loss for uh, for the Giallorossi. Um, and, a, and a great addition for Inter because Paletti is a great uh, is a great uh, coach. Uh, however, uh, you know, with the financial fair play, uh, even if you have a, a top manager, uh, you have restriction and you have to you have to manage your account properly. So you cannot do a lot. And uh, and uh, this is uh, this is the reason why even a team like. Uh, Roma or uh, or even Juventus uh, are uh, trying to um, manage the accounts in a proper way because uh, because it's not possible because otherwise there are sanctions like uh, uh, you are you are gonna have like the uh, your roster uh, restricted like for the European caps uh, then after that like the the second sanction is uh, that uh, you have to pay uh, actually an amount of money. A determined amount of money, like directly to UEFA, 
Uh, and then after that, you can even uh, be excluded from the European competition. Uh, we all know how important it is for a club to play the Champions League. And so, uh, yes, a coach uh, is important. Uh, if you hire a top manager, it's important and they can affect your transfer market uh, agenda. But in reality, I mean, a coach knows before uh, uh, signing a contract if the team can purchase a top player or not. And I think Spalletti was well aware about, uh, about that. I was well aware about uh, Inter's financial situation. Well, let's see how Inter... Uh, manages to deal with this financial situation. Something tells me they have a trick up their sleeve. So let's get out of Milan and let's go to another team that's really not been spending too much as transfer window. Uh, Napoli, I mean, they basically kept everyone. And now they're, there's talk of them being one of the favorites of Serie A. Uh, so how does a club like Napoli, who doesn't have a modern stadium, a rich history of winning, or a Qatari prince owner, manage to keep all its players? What is De Laurentiis doing? And uh, why are the players not jumping ship for some massive money? Marco, so we have to always remember about Napoli that De Laurentiis, uh, I think, is doing a great job. Like, but De Laurentiis in the past few years uh, sold really important uh, strikers uh, for an uh, enormous amount of money. So let's go back a few years. Like De Laurentiis uh, uh, sold uh, Lavizzi, and uh, and that was uh, was uh, uh, they banked a lot of money for that. Uh, one year after they sold Cavani to Paris Saint Germain, and there was another uh, uh, like they, they were loaded with money too. And uh, so then they sold the last year uh, Iguain for 90 million. So and uh, so because of that, uh, they 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 cashed in a lot of money, but even they saved a lot uh, of money from uh, the wages, like you know the salaries of the player that they drastically decreased. Then what they did is a is a good strategy. So they decided okay to bring in a, a coach like uh, Sarri. They was coming from Empoli, and uh, Sarri like uh, is doing a great job. I think uh, Napoli is probably the team who plays the best soccer like uh, in Italy. I think for sure, but I would even extend uh, like to, to to Europe. And uh, in order to do this, like uh, to to play this great soccer, what they uh, what they did like they decide like to uh, to 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 keep like the same team for a bunch of years. And, uh, and to see if something can uh, can happen, if they can win the scudetto. Uh, most of the time, most of the time, like uh, in Italy, people are saying uh, Juventus is constantly winning. Yes, because they have more money, but even because uh, like uh, they keep uh, like the same team every year, especially the defensive line. Uh, the defensive line uh, like is always the same for for years and years. So yes, it's true. And uh, and uh, that's what probably Napoli is doing right now. They said, okay, this year we are not gonna uh, we are not gonna buy top stars, but only like a, a, a bunch of players that can be useful for uh, Sarri's uh, tactical scheme. And uh, we'll see what's gonna happen like next uh, next season. You know, like uh, 
At the end of the situation last year, they ended up like in third position, just a few points behind the Roma. And so they played another great season. The, the year before, uh, they qualified directly for the Champions League. So Napoli is up there. And I think it will, uh, it will always be up there. And I think the Laurenti strategy is a good strategy because it's not going to uh, affect uh, um, Napoli's financial statement too much, but the team is still uh, competitive. Well, let's see how they do this season. Uh, they have a big task ahead of them to try to wrestle the Serie A Scudetto from Juventus. Uh, and speaking of Cinderella stories, you know, here at Corp America, we like to talk about the table uh, from the top of the bottom of the league. In the last couple seasons, teams like Sassuolo and Atalanta have really been making a lot of noise. Uh, so the question is, you know, when it comes to the transfer window, you know, how do these teams that are outside of the top six compete with the financial juggernauts, even with fair financial fair play in, uh, in the equation? So take us into the front office, Stefano, of Atalanta last season, uh, where they absolutely killed it, uh, but definitely had some of their best young talents taken. Uh, Inter got Gagliardini. Uh, Milan got Kessi and Conti. And now Caldara is going to go to Juve. Uh, not this season, but the following one. So how are you setting up your team for success in the near and distant future if you're in the management? I mean, a team, a team like Atalanta, they know that, that their main goal is like to, to pick like right players from the youth, the youth team, to let them grow and play well and, and become like a very good players uh, and uh, and the final goal is to to resell them for a premium that's what atalanta is doing uh, and atalanta is actually doing this thing like for uh, like ages because uh, atalanta always had like one of the best uh, um, youth sector in uh, in italy so together with torino with roma uh, in the last period even lazio and uh, and fiorentina too so Actually, this is uh, uh, Atalanta's role, like in uh, in in the Italian in the Italian Serie A. So, uh, you know, like uh, I think uh, you can uh, you can manage a team uh, in a proper way, even doing these kind of things. So, just uh, with a strategy, uh, applying strategies, uh, and and, uh, and uh, like maybe investing a lot of money on the youth sector because. Uh, it's not easy, like to to have like a great, uh, a great young players every year that can play uh, with the let's say the adult like in the Italian Serie A, because uh, you know like uh, is is the the gap is huge like when you play in the youth league and when you play in the Italian Serie A. So, but they managed to do that because uh, they have a great uh, scout, uh, uh, scouting service around the world, like uh, the great scouts around the world that can. Um, um, screen the market and and pick the right players and then uh, and that's what they do you know like they uh, they resell them for a premium Gagliardini is the perfect example so uh, it's a it's a product of the youth team and they sold him I think if I remember well maybe Marco you can help me like for 40 million in uh, KC uh, he's another young player. I think he's 23 years old. Obviously, he's not part of the. He wasn't part of the U team. But when I was speaking about the scout, the, the scouts around the world, 
uh, they have a great uh, a great system that they implemented over the years and uh, let's say that sassuolo is almost the same situation in the same situation sassuolo uh, first of all we have to remember that sassuolo's president is a very wealthy uh, wealthy man so he can seriously manage a, a top team in serie a uh, he chose sassuolo i don't know maybe we should ask him but probably for convenience like uh, and uh, for, because his business is in that side of the world uh, but uh, Sassuolo is another uh, is another great story and um, I think when you strategically plan uh, what to do and you uh, put the right players and the right coach uh, in the in the right moment uh, like like I think you can do great things I think Di Francesco for Sassuolo was the right coach at the right moment and Sassuolo too had like really great uh, great players so let's let's talk about Berardi um, they had for a period Zaza that was okay he wasn't playing in uh, with Juventus uh, because Juventus has top superstars uh, up there but I mean Zaza was uh, a luxury player for for Sassuolo I mean I don't want to repeat myself too too many times. So it's a, it's strategy, you know, like strategy and uh, implementing this implementing these strategies in a proper way, you know. But it also seems like there's a, a bit of a luck factor in that uh, you have the right players at the right moment with the right coach at the right time, and all these things come together for the perfect season. There is always a matter of luck. I remember a few years ago, uh, Roma uh, Roma was uh, like changed something like four coaches. We like Roma couldn't find like the right uh, the right coach and the right like um, um, way to play. And uh, Roma was almost uh, go, like being relegated in, in, in Serie B. And uh, if I remember well, like uh, Cassano saved the team with a goal. Uh, actually, uh, against Atalanta in Bergamo, the Atleti Azzurri Stadium in Bergamo, and thanks to that goal and to a uh, uh, to a derby Roma Lazio that, that ended up one one, Roma was saved uh, was saved. And uh, you know, it's always a matter of luck. It's a matter of luck if you find the right player. It's a matter of luck if you are able to manage the right pl that player in, a, in the right way. Because we know that when these players are really young, sometimes they are really talented, like a, um, great uh, prospects. But then maybe they, I don't know, lost their mind because of money, because of uh, you know, like because they become VIP players. And then they don't play anymore, you know. Uh, it's it's not easy. Um, it's luck is definitely like a factor in this. Well, Stefano, as soon as you start talking about Roma, you uh, get my ears perked. You got my tail wagging. Uh, so this is the last team that we're going to talk about in the transfer window. And uh, just like the guys on the pod. Uh, Stefano is a big Roma homer. He even started ISA Roma 360, which provides English-speaking Roma fans all the latest news, insight, and opinions on what's going on with the Lupi. So one of the hottest transfer sagas going on this summer is Riyad Mahrez from Leicester. And it looks like Roma sporting director Monchi is trying everything in his power to get him for 35 mil, but Leicester has insisted on 40 mil. I think most Roma fans all feel that the team needs a big transfer this summer, especially after losing Salah to Liverpool. 
why all the hesitation for another five, even ten millions, if this was the case? You know, like uh, every uh, every club is trying to bargain a bit, like to lower the price and uh, and um, and uh, and uh, purchase uh, like the player uh, for the right amount of money. So we were in Boston. Uh, I followed uh, like uh, a few um, press conferences, uh, like where uh, Monchi was telling us. Uh, uh, that the, you know, like the the negotiation was going on, uh, that it was that is tough, like uh, you know, and especially it's tough. Uh, uh, it's a tough nego- negotiation because uh, uh, Roma is facing a club like Leicester City that uh, um, doesn't need money, so they are uh, very rich, uh, as uh, most of the team in uh, in the UK. And um, and so they don't want to lower the price because uh, they don't care, you know. Like they don't have like uh, financial constraints, like uh, and so they don't need money. So their request, like uh, reportedly, their request is that financial demand is something like forty million. So yes, like Roma, Roma uh, recently put in like uh, his. Uh, it's a third offer. Uh, t- reportedly, it's thirty million plus five of bonus. Uh, actually, I think uh, they can unlock the deal for thirty-five. Uh, uh, I won't say cash because then there is no team in the world that is paying cash uh, beside uh, like uh, Paris Saint Germain with the buyout clause. Uh, usually, like uh, this kind of deals are yes, it's thirty-five million, but are always paid. Um, in two, three years, you know, with installments. And um, I think they can close, uh, they can still close a deal for 35, 36 uh, without bonus. Um, but, you know, like you are facing, as I was saying before, you are facing a team that is rich without uh, financial constraints, and that's why they don't want to lower the, uh, the fee. Um, uh, Monchi, uh, yeah, he's trying his, uh, his best, like to. Uh, purchase this player because uh, he would uh, uh, be the right player up there on the on the right side on the right flank to replace uh, uh, Salah. Uh, over there, uh, Roma has uh, even the Turkish youngster uh, like uh, uh, Hunder, which is very very good. Uh, and we noted it, uh, like even uh, during this uh, uh, summer tour in, in the US. But he cannot play. Uh, it cannot be a, a starter uh, right away, so I think he needs uh, someone, uh, a solid player in front of him uh, that can teach him something, and then maybe uh, Hunder can be like a uh, like a great uh, a great player for Roma in the future. Mm, and uh, yeah, it's the Monchi is trying to do to do his best. I don't know if uh, this deal can be closed. There are other rumors around. Uh, one that is a really let's say fancy rumor that is uh, for. Pedro, uh, the player from Chelsea, um, if uh, uh, if uh, Antonio Conte, Chelsea's coach, can uh, purchase someone else uh, on the right flank over there, Pedro would be a great addition, I think, for Roma. Uh, even because he already played uh, like uh, in many important teams uh, and uh, in different uh, leagues as well, so. Uh, he's a very expert guy, like uh, an international, an international player. Um, another, another name, um, another name was uh, Berardi uh, for a long time before we were talking about Sassuolo. The issue with Berardi is that I think he could be a great addition because he's an Italian guy. He's very young too. I think he's 23 years old. 
uh, but uh, Sassuolo's financial demand is 40 million. You know, 40 million for Berardi could be too much. Uh, maybe they can find uh, a deal, uh, I don't say in the middle, but for, uh, I don't know, like something like 30. Uh, but if we check, uh, you know, there's a famous portal like Transfer Market uh, that uh, can tell you like all the stats about every player. If you go and check uh, like the, Berardi's stats in the last few years in terms of gold, goal scored, it's phenomenal. Berardi is a phenomenal player. In the last uh, season, uh, uh, he didn't play well, but he was even uh, injured, like he had a lot of issues. But if you see before, that he scored a lot of goals. And actually, if we want to really be meticulous and check uh, everything, every single detail, Berardi scored so much more goals, uh, so many more goals than, uh, than, uh, than Riyad Mahrez. I know Riyad Mahrez is a top star, he's an Algerian star, he was the best player of the, U, of the Premier League uh, two, years, two seasons ago. And uh, it's something that is remarkable because uh, the Premier League is probably uh, the best uh, league uh, this time. But, you know, when, uh, so we don't have to, we don't have to, like, you know, we have to, we have to pay attention to Berardi because he could be a great addition as well. So it sounds like Roma could probably spend around 35, 40 financially. It's feasible. Yes. Uh, Roma, I think, uh, I think Roma can spend around 35, 35, because as I told you before, then you have to think about the salary of the player that's that is spread over the years. And uh, the gross amount uh, is a very high number uh, for for a team. So if uh, Marez is getting like 3.5 per season, 3.5 million per season, uh, for Roma is 7 million gross per season. So you have to pay attention about salaries as well. You know, 35 I think is the is the is the maximum amount that Roma can spend. Well, let's see what happens. Again, really think that Roma needs a big star signing like uh, like a Mares. So, Stefano, final question. Um, this is not necessarily related to the transfer market in terms of players, but it still has something to do with the financial situation of the club. Uh, and Roma would like to think it's a big team uh, and wants to become an elite club in Europe. Uh, over the past three to four years, we've been talking about building Stadio de Roma, uh, and there's been a ton of back and forth on the commencement of the project. Politicians have reined in. Is it going to happen? Yes, no, yes again. So let's assume as optimistic Roma fans that the project moves forward in the next couple years. What does a new stadium do for a club like Roma financially? It's going to make a huge, uh, huge difference. So before we were talking about revenues, uh, revenues from uh, from uh, TV rights, revenues from uh, merchandising, but we were even talking about revenues from stadium. So uh, think about uh, Juventus uh, with this new stadium in the last year. Um, they made something like uh, 48 million uh, in revenues from from the stadium, just from the from the stadium, from selling tickets, and uh, I'm not counting uh, uh, I'm not counting the Champions League. That you know better than me that when uh, there is a big uh, Champions League match, uh, you know I, I'm gonna tell you because I remember this uh, Napoli against Real Madrid last year at the San Paolo Stadium. I think Napoli made something like a three or f three point five million only on that match in revenue 
So you can, uh, you can understand that, that if you own the stadium, uh, it's going to make the difference, even because uh, it is not only the, the tickets that you are going to sell and, or, the, or the membership like, uh, um, for, for, uh, for the, the, the yearly subscriptions or, so, or something like that. It's even uh, everything that revolves around the stadium, which is uh, like the businesses like, that are going to be there. Uh, an eventual museum that will be that will be built. Uh, like uh, so, there are tickets uh, like for the entrance of the museum, and uh, there are businesses over there. Uh, Roma uh, in the in the plan, uh, like Roma is actually probably leaving Trigoria, the training the training center where they are training right now, and they are gonna train close to the stadium because. Uh, yeah, and then it's going to be an attraction for tourists and even for local people, local fans. And uh, they, they go there, there are the, uh, the shops, they can buy uh, merchandising over there. So the stadium is, uh, is definitely important. And probably the most important thing of the stadium is uh, the naming rights of it. Uh, when, uh, when we talk about naming rights, obviously we are talking about the sponsor, so the, the, the actual a company that is sponsoring, uh, that is giving the name to the stadium, you know. Uh, in Manchester, there is the ATAD stadium. So the ATAD, like, is sponsoring, like, that stadium. And they are paying a huge, uh, a huge amount of money, like, to the, to the team to do that. So uh, it's definitely, like, uh, very important. Uh, that's why Pallotta is really uh, pushing hard, like, on, on this front. And that's why he recently said, if I cannot uh, build the stadium, um, I'm going to leave. And, uh, and I think uh, uh, it would be uh, the right decision for him to do so, uh, even because we have to think, Marco, that Roma presented uh, like this project uh, more than four years ago. So in four years, they are these guys are still waiting for an answer. For, from like the municipality of Rome and all the, uh, the various institutions like the regione, uh, the conferenza dei servizi, which is a kind of general assembly like between, between all the institutions in Rome, like that they have to decide if everything is fine in terms of transportations and, uh, and, and regulation that are respected. So obviously everything has to be regulated uh, in a proper way and uh, so we, we don't have to give vent to speculations or something like that but i mean it's four years that, uh, that these investors are trying to build a stadium and they still don't know if they can do that so in the next few days uh, all the roma fans will have uh, it's going to be a, the next step like in the next few days uh, uh, the the conferenza the the service is gonna tell uh, all of us if the stadium is approved or not. Uh, rumors from today are saying that it's gonna be delayed this answer again because uh, there are other issues that uh, um, that are going on. Uh, you know, like the Italian bureaucracy is incredible. You know, I lived uh, I lived in Italy, Marco, for uh, more than 30 years. I lived in Rome for more than 30 years. And I know how complicated it is to, to, to do business over there. And actually, I think uh, Pallotta, as an American investor, uh, maybe underestimated this factor. Um, but uh, his project, uh, I believe, is a great project. Uh, and uh, Roma is improving a lot uh, as a team in and off the pitch. Uh, and, uh, and I think uh, the future is bright and will be bright. And, uh, and so 
I think we have to be, we have to just wait, you know, like when we talk about Italian things, you always have to wait. The, bureauc the bureaucracy is unbelievable over there. But we, we have to wait and we'll be, we'll, be, we'll be happy one day. That's my, uh, my prediction. So what I'm taking away from this is that the Roma Stadium is extremely important. It's probably going to take a little while for it to come. It probably won't be called Francesco Dotti Stadium. I don't think so. And uh, we have to start uh, tweeting every single day, famos to stadio, uh, and every single Roma fan should be doing this. Yeah, that would be that, that would be an help. Like even if, uh, uh, you know, as you know, Spalletti and the management and the supporters already tried it that, that kind of way, but we are still uh, stuck in the same process. So let's see. I think uh, I think in. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Palotta is, uh, ho is hoping like for, uh, to have a stadium for 2019. I don't think it's feasible. I think it could be in 2021, but it's still it's still gonna be a lot of time to wait. But then it's gonna be huge. It's gonna completely change the face of the team and the financial aspect of the of the of the team. You know, and then uh, then we can seriously compete uh, against uh, superpower like uh, powers like Juventus. That uh, just uh, last year, uh, in, the, in the last season, they earned uh, uh, around 120 million more than uh, more than AS Roma. So that's why. So we have to be proud of what we are doing right now. So to be to get to the second uh, to get to the second spot, like in the Serie, A, it's uh, it's successful. Like it's not uh, it's not bad at all, you know. Well, on that positive note, I think we can wrap up the talk of the transfer market. Uh, thanks again, Stefano, for providing so much insight. Truly good stuff. Uh, wanted to end the interview by talking about your professional journey. Uh, your mini bio on the bottom of your IS Roma 360 article says, A Roman in New York achieving his dreams. Persistence can make extraordinary things happen. So how and when did you decide to take the plunge and dedicate your time to online Serie A websites? For all the listeners who don't know, Calcio Finanza and CalcioMercato.it are two of the premier websites in Italy. Millions navigate to these pages to get their Serie A news. How did you get into this profession? So everything, Marco, everything started uh, uh, in, uh, let's say, first of all, I'm an avid like, uh, soccer fan like, uh, since I'm 40 years old. Obviously, when we talk about uh, like working in soccer like I'm doing right now, um, everything started in 2014 when I decided like, to open my my AS Roma 360. Now AS Roma 360 uh, is a company registered in the United States, like in the state of New York, uh, and uh, and uh, and I provide like uh, me with my my colleagues, like we are providing like uh, news and info about uh, an insight about the AS Roma uh, soccer team. And uh, in 2014, uh, like uh, thanks to S Roma, uh, to S Roma 360, I created a kind of a portfolio for me. You know, like uh, uh, I was just doing this uh, as an hobby, and uh, on my spare time, then I was uh, working a bit uh, more and more and more. And uh, actually, uh, now is a couple of years that is actually a full-time situation going on. But then, uh, thanks to S Roma 360, I got in touch with Calcio e Finanza. Uh, as you probably got, uh, guys know, 
uh, Kaci Finanza is a, is a portal that is entirely dedicated to the financial, economic and managerial aspect of international football. Uh, you know, we talk about finance, governance, media, stadiums, uh, marketing. So everything that revolves around soccer at 360 degrees. And, um, you know, I met uh, like, uh, the, like these guys, like uh, the, the manager of Calcio Finanza uh, in Milan. So uh, we decided like to, uh, to expand the website uh, like uh, abroad as well in order to do so. Uh, obviously, we had to translate articles uh, in English and then we, have to we had to provide great content uh, uh, in English language as well. So that's what we are doing right now. We are expanding so fast even abroad. Calcio e Finanza, the Italian section is great. Uh, as you said, like a million of followers, uh, great traffic for the website. And then, uh, and then uh, like uh, I started a collaboration even uh, with calciomercado.it. Uh, it's another great collaboration, another great website, a million of followers over there too. Uh, it's a more, uh, let's say, seasonal kind of website because, you know, like only January and during the, the summer period, uh, like uh, people get crazy because they want to dream about uh, uh, possible uh, top player for their, players for their teams. Uh, but this is a website that you guys can read, uh, like even uh, like a during the years like because there are always rumors uh, going on and uh, we are always in contact with agents uh, um, uh, with with players with managements so we have a lot of connection and we can provide you with a great service i'm doing this full-time mark right now so this is my passion i work uh, uh, from home i can work uh, from uh, from everywhere actually because uh, it's a pre it's a job that is uh, that is online and uh, this is a kind of freedom that I that I always uh, um, that I was that I always like uh, hoped for, for, and uh, and now I can say I can happily say that that I'm doing this and doing what I really love. So to talk about soccer, to have contact with people with important people in soccer, I I had a, like I interviewed like a, um, uh, presidents of uh, like a, of. Uh, um, of teams, uh, uh, top managers, and even uh, players. Recently, I interviewed uh, like uh, Pirlo, like uh, with the New York CFC. Actually, I forgot to say that I'm following like uh, the MLS as well, and especially the teams in New York and New York CFC, Red Bulls, and uh, New York Cosmos. So I had the pleasure like to interview Pirlo, Andrea Pirlo. Uh, Maxi Morales, uh, another great player that was playing in Atalanta. We were talking about Atalanta before. So, I mean, it's a passion, Marco. And finally, I can do this like full time. And it's a matter of uh, networking and work hard uh, every day. Uh, call people, try to discover uh, like uh, inform secret information and report them in a fair way, you know, and uh, because people, you have to, we have to always provide a fair service for people uh, because we don't want to say, uh, we don't want to release fake news or something like that. And then we focus, we culture finance on financial stuff. We read financial statements and, uh, you know, uh, marketing deals and all this kind of thing. It's, it's, a, it's a great passion that, that is going on. Well, Kudva Medica is always talking about how the Serie A is coming back with a vengeance. And I think some of the summer transfers this season are showing that the league still has some of the biggest talents in the world. We appreciate having someone like you on uh, the podcast who is really boots on the ground, grinding to help grow the league 
and Italian calcio throughout the world. Stefano, thanks again for sitting down with us for this interview. Uh, I want to remind the podcast fans to go out and check out calciofinanza.it, calciomercado.it, and iseroma360.com for all the latest and greatest news on Serie A uh, and more specifically the Giallo Rossi at IAS Roma 360. By the way, you can find our uh, Curva America podcast on the podcast tab at that website. So Stefano, grazie ancora, and Podcast Paisani, until the next time we say ciao. Ciao a tutti, thank you so much. Arrivederci.